0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message, brought to you by Daryl Reed. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. We get to carry on with Philippians. We're in Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to be reading from verse 12 to verse 18. So if you've got your Bible, I would love for you to open up and read with me. I'm going to be reading from the NIV, and... uh, We've got six verses we're going to cover this morning, and hopefully the Lord's going to speak to us as we unpack here. All right, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. And rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Wonderful passage of Scripture. I'm going to read the first two verses again, then we'll unpack that. So let's read verse 12 and 13 again. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act, in order to fulfill His good purpose. All right, so what's happening here is Paul's writing to the church in Philippians still, and, uh, and he's encouraging them, saying, as you were obedient when I was with you, and as you kind of continue to be obedient, he's encouraging them to continue to walk a life of obedience, that we will continue to follow Holy Spirit, follow His guidance, follow His, his leading, that we will walk... In obedience. Now, the, obedience is it's at the heart of our Christian faith. It's the heart of the way. I mean, if we're going to be disciples, which means to be a learner follower of Jesus, well, that means we have to learn from Him. We have to obey what He's saying, what He's uh, instructing us, teaching us. And so, if we're going to be a learner follower, there has to be obedience. You know, if, if someone's teaching you something and they say, this is how you do whatever it is that you're doing and you say, well, no, no, I'm going to do it this way. We call that rebellion. (laughs) No, if we're going to be a learner, follower, disciple, well, then we have to follow the guidance that Jesus gives us. We have to follow the instruction He gives us in the Scripture. We have to walk in obedience to Him. This is central to our faith, obedience. And so, in the context of the previous 11 verses, which we covered uh, three weeks back, I think it was, uh, Paul's encouraging the church. He's saying, just as Jesus didn't ex- um, exploit his position as God when he came to earth, he came in low, he came in humbly. And so we should do the same. We should walk in humility. We should come in as, as servants. We should serve one another. So, in the context of being a servant, in the context of Chapter 1, where he's speaking about our unwavering faith, no matter the circumstance, where where he was encouraging them that they have a boldness, defend the gospel, that we stand for truth. In the context of all of that, he's now saying, now continue to be obedient to what God is saying. Continue to be obedient to the guiding of Holy Spirit. You see, we learn a lesson from King Saul many moons back. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 and verse 23, the context here is uh, the prophet Samuel has a word for King Saul, and there's instructions given to Saul, and Saul doesn't follow the instructions. You see, obedience, follow the instructions, follow the guidance. Saul behaves like a rebel and does his own thing because he thinks he knows better. And so now Saul, Samuel is, uh, is addressing Saul. We read here in verse 22, But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed, to listen, is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has rejected you as king." well, those are strong words for not living in obedience. Obedience is so important. That's why Paul's writing and he's saying, as you have walked in obedience, continue to walk out your faith obediently, following the instruction, the guidance, following God. And then he speaks about that we will work out our salvation. Now, this this is a a very intriguing verse over here, that we might work out our salvation. So let's, let's first pause and let's have a look at, at what salvation is. It's important that we understand that salvation is not by our own works. Anyone in here got saved by your own good deeds? Just checking if there is anyone, then we'll explain to you again that it wasn't by your good deeds, but it was by the good deeds of someone else and his name was Jesus. You see, we're not able to save ourselves by our own good works or our own effort. There's, there's no good that we can do that makes us good enough to live a perfect, sinless life that we might be considered righteous in the face of the King. No, it's not possible. Not possible. You see, we, we did absolutely nothing to earn our salvation. Absolutely nothing. Salvation is 100% a work of the Lord. We are just the grateful recipients of His work. You didn't die on the cross, Jesus did. You didn't live a perfect sinless life, Jesus did. And so in this this divine exchange that takes place, what happens is as the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, in our lives, as we recognize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, it's a work of the Spirit that enables that to happen. And when we recognize that, I need a Savior, and He wants to save you, He wants to rescue you, what what we do is we, we put out an empty hand. We've got nothing to offer. We've got nothing to give. And as we put out our empty hand, our loving, gracious, kind Father God grabs hold of us, and He pulls us out of darkness, and He puts us in light. And we get born again. We get saved. Everything about us changes in that moment. And what did we have to do with it? Nothing. We just put our hand out and received the gift of salvation. It's the beauty of of our God. It's the beauty of our King. It's the beauty of the sacrifice that Jesus made, sinless, yet laid down His life, rose again, that we might have life. So we, we have absolutely nothing to do with salvation but now Paul's saying, work out your salvation. Let's unpack this a little bit. Let's start at, at having a quick look at what Paul is not saying. So, Paul, he, he's not saying that we now need to work for our salvation. He's not saying that, you know, you entered into salvation freely as you received this gift, and now you need to work for it to remain in your position in Christ. He's not saying that. He's not saying that if you don't do good works, you will fall out of the position Christ put you into, and you will fall back into darkness, that you have to do good works to remain in light. No, he's not saying that. The Scripture is clear when we look at the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter uh, 3 and verse 2 to 3. It says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's by hearing with faith. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? See, he's saying so clearly over here that let's not enter into salvation by faith and then think that we have to continue in our salvation by our works. That we. We, we, we get pulled out of darkness and we get put in light. We're changed. We're transformed. And that now we must go back to the old way, position ourselves back under the law, and it's by our own effort and self-works that we remain in Christ. No, that's not how it works. That's not the gospel. That's not what Paul's saying when he says work out your salvation. Galatians is clear on this. He's not saying that we now that we're saved as we work out our salvation, that now we need to work to earn the love of Father God, that now we need to work to earn His pleasure. He's not saying that it's a works-based thing. None of those things is He saying. He's not saying that it's a self-righteous effort. He's not saying that we live a self-led life to work on our salvation. So what is he saying? He's saying that the moment that we got born again, the moment we received that gift of salvation, we stretched out our empty hand and we we received the gift of life, we became born again. He's saying that that moment, that moment that that happened, you fundamentally changed. Everything about you changed. As Luke puts it in chapter 24, verse 49, It says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. See, we live in that day. We live in that day that we've been clothed with power from on high. Everything has changed. We're a new creation. Old is gone, the new has come. Paul's saying that now that we've been clothed with power from on high, There's a responsibility upon us to live differently, to behave differently, that we don't work for His love, but we recognize our position in Him, that He now calls you son, He calls you daughter. As a son, as a daughter, as a child of the King, knowing that He loves you, knowing that He paid the ransom price for you to have eternal life. From that position of knowing that we loved, we now live a totally different life because He's changed us. We've been clothed with power from on high. See, He's saying that now that you've received everything you've received, live a life that's worthy of the gospel. A couple verses earlier on in Philippians, that we will live a life worthy of of the gospel, There's a responsibility upon us. I like the way that the ESV translation puts it. It says, it's like this double emphasis that you will work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That means that there's a responsibility upon you. Because we love to put the responsibility upon our pastor, right? Upon your connect group leader. You know, my, my maturity is dependent upon, upon you. That's not what the Scripture is saying over here. You know, one day you're going to stand before, before the King, before Jesus, and He's going to ask you to give an account for what did you, what did you do. And, 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 you know, you can just say, well, you know, Jesus, I... I didn't do very much. Um, But it's not my fault. I I know, Jesus, you placed me in the church, in your body, in your building. You're the head of the church, Your building, you're the architect. I I know all of these things. But did you know that the church you put me in, the pastor, was rubbish? It was no good, Jesus. And and to make it even worse, the connect group leader, Jesus, that person was, I, I don't even know if they were saved, Jesus. Like every time I had a problem that I brought before them, they couldn't solve it. Every time I asked for help, they couldn't give me help. Like, I never know if know if they know you. Like, so, like, I had every good intention, Jesus, of living a good life. But, you know, Jesus, the reality is you just dealt me a bad hand. Like, I, I couldn't do much with this. Like, the, the church you put me in was just not good. <laughs> no, that's not how it's going to be. Jesus is going to say, how did you work out your own salvation? See, the responsibility is upon you. The the, the role of leaders in the church is to equip you, to inspire you, to motivate you, to challenge you, to stir you, that you will work out your own salvation, that you will grow and mature in the Lord. Now, does this mean that, all right, now now I just live a life of independence and I, I don't need the church and I don't need leadership and I don't need accountability? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that you take responsibility for your life, that when you're facing a difficult situation, that instead of just coming with that difficult situation and dropping it at your leader's feet and say, here's my problem, please fix it. It's bringing the, the challenge, the opposition, the, the, the struggle that you're going against. And as you've brought that before the Lord by yourself, as you take responsibility for your life, as you, as you hold this before the Lord, as you dig into the Scripture for yourself, as you pray, as you fast, as you seek the Lord for yourself as a family, and as the Lord then speaks to you, you bring this to your leaders and say, this is what's going on. This is my challenge. This is my struggle. This is what I'm facing. And hopefully your leader says, what is God saying to you about that? And then you respond and you say, well, I'm not really sure, but this is, the, this is my gut feel. This is the sense I had. I, you know, I, the Lord, I was reading and I read this scripture and I, I think it's applicable, but I'm not sure. I, I need your help. Hey, let's, let's, let's journey through this. Let's, let, let's, let's figure this out together. Let's trust the Lord together. And together, the, the, the leader comes and he helps. He comes alongside and he journeys alongside you. He doesn't take your problem and say, okay, it's now my problem. You, you go and have a happy life now. Your problem is now mine. Don't worry, I'll sort it out. <laughs> no, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, it's funny how uh, I don't like telling people what I do for a living. People always behave differently when they find out. But it, it's fascinating how when you're, you're at a social setting and people don't know what you do, and they're having a fun time, and it's, you may be having a braai, and you know, people are using foul language and doing all sorts of worldly stuff. And then later on in the conversation, uh, they they say, "Oh, what do you do?" And then I'm trapped, and I have to answer. And I'll sometimes say things like, "Well, I'm a spiritual guide, and I I, I help people to discover their their spiritual purpose." I am just kidding, I'm a pastor. It's fascinating that almost every time people hear that, like, the behavior changes straight away. You know, maybe there's a cigarette, cigarette gets dropped and just, you know. Alcohol gets pushed aside, they stand straighter, they talk differently. <laughs> Paul's saying here in verse 12 that may you be obedient when may, may you be obedient when I'm I'm present, but even more when I'm absent. You see, it's not your connect group leader or your pastor's job to make sure that you're good and that you're well and that you're behaving appropriately and holy. No, it's it's your responsibility. The onus is upon you. You know, your pastor might not be there, your connect group leader might not be there all the time when you're Celebrating the Springboks victory or the the Proteus victory we declare in faith. (laughs) But Holy Spirit is there. He's with you. He's watching you. He's alongside you. He wants to empower you with power from on high, clothe you with power from on high, that you might make good decisions, that you might live a good, righteous, godly life. Holy Spirit's with you all the time. You know, there's there's a common saying in the church. I'm sure many of you have said it. Many of you have heard it. Why don't you just sit up straight and just make sure your toes are under your chair. I don't want to step on them because I'm coming to step on your toes. The saying goes like this, I'm just not being fed at that church. My pastor's just not feeding me. Anyone heard that? All right, well, Yaz, the question I have for you is, is when last did you get fed? Not someone cook a meal. When last did someone physically feed you? Can someone answer me? This is not rhetorical. When, when you were a baby? I'm not being fed. oh, I hear the sound of an infant. I hear the sound of someone that doesn't know that there's a responsibility upon them to work out their own salvation before the Lord. See, the onus is not upon the pastor to feed you. The onus is upon you to feed yourself. One of the first things we teach our kids, how to feed themselves. This is how you do it. You, You take the spoon and... Then you put it in them and it ends up messy for the first couple times. And and then over a little bit of practice, they learn to feed themselves. Yay, mommy and daddy can eat their own food. Because the baby can now eat their own food. Come on, let's not be infants. Let's not be babies. Let's grow up. Let's work out our salvation. Let's be mature in the Lord. There's a responsibility upon you. You know, people people sometimes think, I went to Disney World quite a long time ago. And uh, and they got a- amazing rides and stuff. But because it's so amazing, you queue in the ride for like an hour sometimes, maybe more, two hours you queue just to go on one ride. It's worth it because the ride is so crazy. But then they got this thing, they call it a fast pass. And you can pay a little bit of extra money and you get a fast pass and then you, you skip the line and you go straight to the front. I think sometimes... Some of you think that pastors have got a fast pass, (laughs) a fast pass to heaven, That, that we just go straight to the front of the queue and our prayers get answered before all of your prayers. And so I can just bring my problem to you because you got that fast pass card. It's not fair. You got an unfair advantage and you can now just go straight to the front of the queue. Jesus has this problem for young little Mary. Will you sort this out? Thank you, Jesus. And then And then Mary doesn't have to do anything. Mary just brings it to the leader. And No, it doesn't work like that. The same God that I serve is the same God that you serve. The same God that your connect group leader serves is the same God that you serve. The same God that when I reached out my empty hand who grabbed hold of me and took me out of darkness and put me in light is the same God that you serve. We have the same access. And He wants you to work out your salvation. He wants us to do that in the context of Community. We need to take responsibility for our lives, take responsibility for the things that we've received from Him because we've received so, so much. Paul carries on in verse 13, he says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. There's good purpose that God has created you to do. There's plans and purpose that he has for you for the sake of his kingdom growing, that you might be someone that helps lead people to reach out their empty hand to Jesus, that they might get saved. There's, there's good purpose for you to bring light into darkness. God's got plans for you. God's got good intention for you. And one of the ways that he does that is he, he speaks to our will. You know, you're driving to work. It's Wednesday morning, and all of a sudden you start thinking about the member in your connect group that's going through a difficult time. And you think, you know, I, I'm sure a meal would be really, really helpful for them. I, sh- I, should, I should do a meal for them. And, and in your will, in your mind, you get stirred to do something good. But the Scripture says you that He works in your will and in your action. And and sometimes I think because of the busyness of life, all the stuff that we face, the Lord's intention, his good purpose gets stuck in just a good thought. You know, it's wonderful that you have that thought that you hear the Holy Spirit saying, Hey, that person you're connected with that's going through a difficult time, they they need a meal. Praise God that He's speaking to you, that's His voice. It's Him speaking to you in your will. But we need to take that voice of the Lord, that will, and we need to let that transition into an action by actually getting the meal cooked and delivered to them. It's in the the will and the action. Let's not let God's work get stuck in our mind. No, it needs to be a good thought that becomes a good deed. See, God is working in us. So it's not that this responsibility is all upon us. No, God is working in you, in your will and in your action because you're clothed with power from on high. Fast obedience, that's what it's talking about. You know, sometimes the will, God speaks to you in your will. You need to do something. And then we start to think about, is this really God? I don't know if I feel like doing that. That sounds a little bit difficult. You know, I'm really busy today, and I'm already on my way to do some other good thing. And, and so because I'm already on my way to do this good thing, like, I don't know if I'm going to have time for that good thing, and I don't want to disrupt this good thing because of that good thing. And, so, and then, and then we, we explain it away, and we end up doing nothing. Now we need, we need to learn to have fast obedience, that when the Holy Spirit speaks, that we act and do something straight away. Fast obedience. So let's summarize all of this. On the one extreme, as Paul corrected the Galatian church, as we work out our salvation, we think that it's all about our works now. And I've got to do this. It's self-effort. It's self-led. It's all about my deeds that I'm doing to earn God's love, to be a good Christian, to be a good citizen, and it's all self, self, self. And actually, when we, when we look at the mirror of all of that, it's who's, who's at the center of the mirror? It's self. It's all about self-works. It's wrong. That's not how we do this. On the other extreme, you know there's that saying, let go and let God You know, Jesus said on the cross, it's finished. If if Jesus said it's finished, well, then it's finished. I don't need to do nothing. You know, I just need to just. I just need to chill out. I just need to be. Because He's going to fix everything, He's going to do everything. No, that's wrong. We'll see later on that we're supposed to grab hold of. That extreme is wrong all by yourself. This extreme, I don't do anything. Is all God is wrong. So, So how do we do this? How do we work out our salvation? It's in the tension of those two extremes which are wrong. And it becomes like a ballroom dance. You and the Lord. And He's guiding you. And He's leading you. And step by step, he's speaking to you, and he's taking you down the path that you need to go. I think that's what it looks like. It looks like intimacy. It looks like grabbing hold of him, holding firmly on him and saying, Holy Spirit, I need you. I can't do this without you. I need to be in step with you. Galatians 5.25. May we be in step with the Spirit as we're holding on to Him, as He's holding on to us, as we're doing this dance called life, He leads us step by step, day by day. And as He leads us, as we follow Him, He leads us in our will, in our action, for His good purpose, and we work out our salvation. We grow, we mature. It's this dance with the Holy Spirit. his good purpose, I want to tell you again, he's got good purpose for you. There's things that God has created you to do and he wants you to do them. You know, you're the only you that there is and and you're the only one that can do certain things that God wants you to do. It's good purpose. God wants you to do it. As we go to verse 14, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Did we let the kids go? That was a mistake. We need the kids back in here, please. They need to hear this. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Can we just cancel kids, man, and get them back here for a few moments? Well, that's a challenging verse right there. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. I mean, you're... Your boss gives you your new assignment or project for the week, whatever it might be, and you, you smile, you look at him, you take him you turn on blah 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 you grumble and you're mad, and you no, the scripture says that we shouldn't do that, that we should do everything without grumbling, without arguing. Oh, I don't know about you, <laughs> but that's not easy to do. I need the Holy Spirit to lead me in this dance called life that I will joyfully go about doing all of the things that come before me, that come across my table, all of the challenges, all the trials, all the difficulties, all of the people. I don't know about you, I'm, I'm, I'm privileged. There's no people in my life that push my buttons, but I don't know if you've got anyone in your life that pushes your buttons, that causes you to be a bit grumbly, to maybe argue or to respond with an argument, Oh, Holy Spirit, help us that we will live a life without grumbling and arguing. That we will have this joyous contentment, knowing that He's placed us where He needs us to be, knowing that He's on the throne, knowing that as He guides us in this dance called life, that He will guide us through the challenge, through the difficulty, through whatever trial you might be facing, and He will dance you through that. And you get to do that with joyous contentment If you choose to not grab hold of grumbling, of selfishness, of arguing. No, as we let go of those things and grab hold of Him. Verse 15 and 16 says, So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Hold firmly to the word of life. You see, to let go of everything is not the right approach. No, it's to hold firmly to the word of life. Jesus is the word of life. We let go of the troubles as we grab hold of Him. We let go of anxiety as we grab hold of His peace. So as we live a life of humility, of gospel obedience, a life that's worthy of the gospel, that as we let Him speak to our our will and that we act out upon that will, that as we work out our salvation, that as we grow and mature because we take responsibility, that we then live a life without grumbling, without arguing. And the fruit of all of this is that we, we start to become pure and blameless. Blameless and pure. I'm not talking about perfection. Perfection blameless is not meaning that we're perfect. Hey, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes still. But it's talking about this position where we're living right with the Lord, where we have a clear conscience because when he spoke to our will, we acted upon it. And so we don't have something nagging. Oh, I didn't, I didn't walk in obedience like King Saul. He had the instruction and he, he half followed it, but he didn't fully follow it because he thought he knew better. There were good animals that he thought he could keep when the Lord told him, you need to destroy everything. He wasn't obedient. He was partially obedient. As we are fully obedient to the Holy Spirit, that we have a clear conscience, we're blameless before him, that there's this purity, that we're not mixed with the world, we're not diluted with the stuff of the world, but that we're pure, we're set apart, we're holy. Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. That we're morally good, blameless and pure. And when we do that, when we grow, when we mature, when we work out our salvation, when we become blameless and pure, something beautiful happens. Scripture says that we become like stars in the sky. We shine. Now, I don't know about you guys, but don't tell my wife, I'm not good with directions. It's not my strength. Thank God for Google Maps. (laughs) I use Google Maps all the time. I mean, I can get home from here without Google Maps, but it's it's almost that bad. (laughs) You know, many years ago, before Google Maps, before printed maps, The map was the sky at night. The stars would be used for navigation. You see, I think what what Paul's saying here is that as you live a blameless and pure life, you become a GPS. You see, you become a GPS for the person that that sits in the office cubicle next to you. You become a GPS for the teacher that works in the classroom next door to you. You become a a GPS for... For your manager, for your subordinates, for your family, for your, your relatives that perhaps don't yet know Jesus, you become a GPS because you become a star that shines in the night. That as, as these people that perhaps don't yet know Jesus look at you and they see that you're blameless, they see that you're pure, they see that you're shining and you become a sign that points to something and that something is Him. You point to Jesus, you point to the King of Kings, and they become, uh, they get this realization, this revelation that, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. I, I have sin in my life, and I need a Savior. How, how do I do this? And then they come and they ask you, and they chat to you, and God gives you opportunities, and He speaks to your will, and you act upon it, and you become a living signpost see, as as the scripture carries on here, that we will hold firmly to the word of life, as we hold firmly to Jesus in this dance called life. see, as as we hold firmly to Him, He guides us, He leads us, He directs us. There's safety as we hold on to Him. There's protection as we hold on to Him. There's healing as we hold on to Him. Now, Now, the Greek, as it puts it here, it's kind of got this dual meaning that we're to hold on to the word of life, but also that we're to hold out the word of life. You see, as we're holding on to the Lord, the word of life, it's a guide, it's a strength, it's a safety, it's a protection for you, but it's also a sign that points to those around you. Look at the word of life. You see, as I do this dance called life, holding on to Him, things go in a glorious way. I'm not arguing. I'm not grumbling. I'm filled with joy and contentment because I'm with Him and I'm holding on to Him. See, as we hold firmly to Him, He guides you, but it's also holding it out that the world might see that you're a star shining in the sky. See, the word of life Is both a guide and a sign. Verse 16, with all of that in the background, Paul then takes this surprising twist and turn. He says, And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. This is very interesting. See, what what Paul's saying here is that as the Philippian church, as they live a life that's worthy of the gospel, a life of obedience, a life where they follow the will of God, where they act upon the will, where they work out their salvation with fear and with trembling, as they become more like Him, blameless, pure, as they become stars that shine, signs that point to heaven, Living signposts, as they do all of this, something happens to Paul. He says that, that I'm not running in vain because of the maturity that, that you're having. He says, because of your righteous living, doing all of these things that he's mapped out, Paul says, I can boast in the Lord because of you. We see this again in, in Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 to 20. For what is our hope, our joy, or our crown, in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Oh, this is profound. What Paul's saying over here. Is that as you live a righteous life, all of the things we've covered, there's a a reward, there's a glory for the Philippians as they do all of that. For the Thessalonians as they do all the stuff we've been speaking about, there's a reward that Paul gets. There's a glory that Paul gets. You see, each one of us has a purpose. God has given each one of us purpose. He's created each one of you with purpose. As you live out your life doing all of these things we've covered this morning, there's a reward that comes. And that reward has an impact on not just you, from the person sitting next to you. That reward, that glory, that crown, that joy has an impact not just for you in isolation but for your connect group leader, for the elders, for the church, for the people in your connect group. You see, as we live a life of gospel obedience, blameless, pure, righteous, working on our salvation, one day when Jesus comes again, there's a glory that we get to partake in, share in, a joy, this crown. And it's this shared thing. That means that your obedience or lack thereof has an eternal consequence, not just on you, but upon one another. I don't understand how this works. But I know that clearly the Scripture is showing us over here that, that there's, a, there's an impact that we have on one another for eternity. It's not just you in isolation. There's a responsibility upon you. But that responsibility is worked out in the context of community and that we together as we live a life of gospel obedience that we bring honor and glory to Him and one of the the side little offshoots of that is that, that there's some kind of a reward that we together get to experience because of our obedience to Him. And so if anything if you take something out of this know that Your life is not just about you. It's about Him. And the the way that you serve Him and honor Him and follow Him has a horizontal impact as well. Verse 17. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. A drink offering in the Old Covenant, they would have a, a sacrificial animal that would be sacrificed, and then on certain occasions, certain times, there'd be a drink offering, a jug of wine that would be poured out on top of the sacrificed animal. It's like this double offering. Paul's saying, as you live a life of sacrificial obedience, his life, he's now in prison because of his life of of following Jesus, that that his sacrifice becomes like this drink offering on top of your sacrifice. It's this double thing. It's this together, there's this sacrifice that's going up before the Lord. And I think the the key word over there is that it's this drink offering that's poured out. You know, if your life is going to be poured out for something, it requires it to be intentional. It's not just an accident that you just spill something and, oh, whoops. I spilled some sacrifice and now God got glorified. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. Didn't mean to do that. I was walking and I had an accident, and I'm so glad it worked out for good. No, it requires an intentional pouring out. We do something intentionally, our lives are intentional. John's word for last year intentional. To pour out, to be poured out, requires us to be intentional. And with all of this, as Paul says, and he covers it so many times in the book of Philippians, that we will be glad, that we will rejoice, and he encourages all of us that we will rejoice, that we will be glad, that we will find a joy deep down in the Lord, that as we hold on to the word of life, as he guides us in this dance called life, that there's a joy that comes, there's a rejoicing that we have. God wants you to be filled with joy as you live and walk a life of purity, that you're blameless before Him, that you become like a shining star, radiant, reflecting His glory for the world to see Him. Amen. Won't you stand? Lord Jesus, our desire is that we will truly shine like stars, that we will be blameless and pure before You, that we will hold on to the word of life, that we will work out our salvation, that we will take responsibility for our own journey with you, that we won't defer it to somebody else and expect that it's a leader's responsibility. Know that we will understand it's our responsibility and that we will do something with what we've got. Thank you, Lord, that we have been clothed with power from on high, that we are fundamentally changed and different from the moment we get born again. Lord, may we now live a life that's fundamentally different, a life that reflects your glory as we become shining stars, a living GPS, a living signpost pointing to you, that you will be glorified, King Jesus, that we will find joy, that we will rejoice in you. Holy Spirit, we need you, that we will be truly in step with you. We need you to guide us. We need you to lead us. Holy Spirit, we need you. And so now as you lift your hands to the Lord, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Amen.